What's up, y'all? Have a seat. It's your favorite hour of the week with the Facts Over Axe crew, and we finally got the the uh, conference finals put away. We headed toward the NBA finals. We got good NFL football. Finally, teams are it's starting to take shape a little bit. College football. We got some early upsets and all that. We're going to try to get to everything. We, but I can't make no promises. Uh, now, first of all, we got the master of the mix and master, Josh Guyton, in the building. That is I. We got the main man, the money man, man with the plan, Chris Allen in the building. Right here, right here. And you got me, the little old MC in the building, Kenton Gibbs. Now, let me tell y'all something. It's hard being the rightest man on this show because I told these fellas, go ahead and switch on over your picks. Switch (laughs) to the heat with me. I said it during the Raptors series because I said, you know what? Stevens and them look too shaky down the stretch, and they're going to play Miami close. And voila, it happens. We got uh, Boston Lakers. I mean, we got Miami Lakers final. I'm sorry. Miami Lakers final. And, you know, we're going to get into those predictions. But first, what happened in this Heat Celtics series? Um, I think that, that the Celtics – just didn't I don't I don't know if it's uh coaching. I don't know if it's the fact that these players are young, even though they are experienced, they're still technically young. But they had all of the mm-hmm. tools um to beat Miami. If you want to be honest, from top to bottom, they may have been the most talented team from top to bottom left in the playoffs. I mean, the two top players left in the playoffs are of course on LA, but the Celtics got a lot of dogs, man, and I think we saw a lot of times where they were able to win these games or they were able to be in a position to put themselves in a position to win these games. And it just came down to ISO ball. They started to play sloppy. I know Jason Tatum loved Kobe and I love Jason Tatum's game, bro, but they call Kobe shots for a reason. You can't be up six points and doing fadeaways over double teams. It's, it, right. they just, it's, it's crazy to say like coming within two games of the finals is a fail of a season. But when you were rookies and you made it to the conference finals and went seven games, you, it's a failure of a season. And I don't want to make this all about Boston because hats off to Miami. Miami played gritty basketball. Miami stuck to the game plan. Miami played Miami basketball. Like there's a lot of heat culture guys on that team. Mm-hmm. Like they said, after they won the game and uh, hey, shout out to Myers Leonard, man. <laughs> right and a lot of people <laughs> a lot of people include me uh was saying a lot that like the the you want a lot of dogs in a fight and the dogs that everybody was talking about was the clippers when the heat was the dogs this entire time and nobody was talking about it <laughs> so it's, it's one of Gibbs' favorite lies it's, the the heat were with the what we thought the clippers were <laughs> yeah. oh for sure absolutely a hundred percent Chris, nah. what what you think, man? What what are you what are your takeaways from this series, man? Man, Brad Stevens is not fully to blame here. First things for Marsh Gibbs. Uh, First and foremost, oh Gibbs, Brad Stevens is uh, not. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. First off, I'm not making excuses for him, but Kemba never fully recovered from that knee injury. He was a little hobbled, but now that's not an excuse because Kimba's a perennial all-star, and Kimba should be getting buckets no matter what. He played awful this series. And Jason Absolutely. Tatum also played awful every first half of this series. 
Every first half, he played terrible. Yeah. He started off this game today that we recorded on game six. 0 for 6. 0 for 7. He started off 0 for 7. Like, if you're going to be the, the vocal point of the team, and that's the reason why I chose Boston in the first place is because Jason Tatum, I feel like he was going to take that leap, which he didn't play bad. The second half, he was a wonder wonder kid. I mean, look, but, in, in Jason Tatum's defense, um, he he didn't take bad shots in that first half. They just wasn't falling. But I was impressed on how he didn't get dejected and he decided to impact the game other ways. See, I think he had six assists in that first half. He played right, some good right. defense. So I wasn't I wasn't completely disappointed with his performance. But he do got to step up in the elimination right, game. Right, right, right. In elimination game, you can't have a whole half where you're bad. Period. And and that and that's why I say it's not all on Brad Stevens because he did the right thing. He made a lot of adjustments this series. By he went from Tice to Williams, Canner. He was making adjustments that way. Then he even came out with water Watermaker. If that's his last name, right? This Watermaker, right? Yeah, Watermaker. Yeah, Watermaker. Brad, Watermaker. 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 He put him out there with Kimba, Jalen Brown, and Tatum at center sometimes. Like he was trying a lot of different things, but. Miami, and it's just one simple word. The difference in this series was Bam out of bio. Like, that that was the difference. Like, the, the Celtics, if they had a big, like, in the, even in the stratosphere of Bam, we might have seen this series go seven games. But even just watching game six today, Bam was the difference in this series. And, I mean, it's just – we're going to talk about the Lakers later, but it's just, like, Bam is actually something that even the Lakers don't like. They have an Anthony Davis, which is in the uh, above a Bam caliber player. But I mean, as far as just the things Bam does on the court, he's an outlier in the league right now, man. He's 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 what we think Carl Anthony Towns is. Let's let me say that. Hey, hey, knock it off, knock it off, knock it off. Come on, man. Come on. No, no, I I was just being silly trying to use one of your live games. <laughs> Hey, listen, Bam Bam is Andre Drummond with handles and a mid-range shot. I mean, let's be honest here. He yeah, yeah, goes yeah, yeah. extremely hard on those boards. He's great defensively. But um, I'm glad that you already knew where I was going to go with this, Chris. I'm excited. As a matter of fact, all of our listeners should know where I'm going to go with this because <laughs> this is a Who Slander account fans, Brad Stevens. <laughs> oh, bring that ass here, boy. Brad at Stevens, at your big age, you can't beat the zone. At your big age, with all that talent you got, all them shooters you got, you got three and D Marcus Smart. Hey, when, when Marcus Taylor Smart started shoot, I mean, last postseason he shot like this too, but Marcus Smart is a shooter. Like, oh let's, let's, let's make it you clear. You know what's crazy? You know what's crazy? He shot so well, he now has to step into that conversation of best young three and D guy. Bruh, yeah, I was looking. I was looking like, bruh, Marcus Smart, why Marcus did we not say him? Has n- and that's what I'm saying. Marcus Smart has never missed a D. He has always missed a three. Like, that's the part that he, he has always lacked on. And he just came out of nowhere streaking. And trust me, even people who I know it's going to be some people who say, oh, they're casuals. They haven't watched this season. Anybody who looks at the numbers objectively, Marcus Smart did not shoot this well in the regular season. Right. He didn't. He didn't. So this isn't us just but, making but, but, because we didn't watch. In our defense, though, he did shoot well last postseason, but then he went back into the regular market smart during the season. So it was like. Exactly. Exactly. So, so, so first of all, Brad Stevens at your big age with Kemba Walker, perennial all-star, rising star Jason Tatum, uh, 
Enos Cantor, you know, an offensive big who is – his limitations are all on the defensive side of the ball. There is nothing on offense you expect your big to do that he can't. There's nothing. So, uh, at your big age, Brian, you can't beat his own? Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. And also, uh, Jason Tatum and his poor performances in the first quarter. I'm not saying you bench your young star. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. But when asked about his struggles, he said, oh, I think he'll be just fine. I'm going to let him figure it out. Excuse me. Bradley. Can't figure it out in a conference finals, baby. Bradley Stevens. If you play like that. It, exactly, Josh. There ain't no figuring out. It should be figured <laughs> with a D on the end. Now. Right. It should be figured out. And then if, if you messing up like this in the conference final, child. Hey, listen. And here's the thing. I agree with you that uh, Jason Tatum should not have been bent simply because he was impacting the game in other ways. Like, he's not a Duncan Robinson, and if his shot's not falling, get him off the court. He's useless. That's not him. Uh, Like you said, Tatum facilitated well. His defense is always uh, at a pretty high level, and he rebounds well. So, you know, he he had rights to be on the court, but still, you ain't drawing no sets. For him, give him some easy looks. Give him something going at the basket. Uh, excuse me. Excuse I mean, but Gibbs, they were, were they not? Gibbs, were they not getting good looks, bro? They were just not. They were just missing, bro. Like a lot of the shots the Celtics got, they were just missing, man. I agree, but here's the thing: if I have two stars and Kemba, and then Jason Tatum that are not going well, I'm not drawing up nothing to have them. Out at the three-point line. I want y'all to attack the basket. In today's game, either you're going to get a foul or you're going to get a blow-by. Y'all are su- These are stars now. They're not superstars. Neither one of them are superstars. Jason Tatum has the room and time to make that step. Kemba, I think this is who he is, and he'll never uh, ascend to another level. Right. But Jason Tatum, get to the rim. Go get to the run. But it's hey, okay. I think, it's all right. I think, I think Marcus Smart heard this, though, because remember you said Marcus Smart is the one player that I think well, – well, Marcus Smart and Kimball are the two players that we don't think can grow anymore or get any better. Marcus Smart showing me he can get a lot better talk. Oh, like, absolutely. Did I, you see the dunk he missed today? Oh, for sure. But let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. After – my biggest takeaways uh, were definitely from the Celtics – and I don't want that to take away from the Heat. I don't want that to distract from how good the Heat were. The Heat were excellent. The Heat played Heat basketball, though. So that's the only reason right. why I'm, I'm hosing the Celtics right now. The Heat did what we expect. They came out, competed defensively 24-7. They came out, and they Spo did what Spo did. Uh, Spo figures are off. Out, and if he has the horses in the stable, he will get it done. Uh, and Bam Adebayo, a guy who... Since before the playoffs started, when y'all told me he wasn't a priority, I was like, what? <laughs> and let me tell you, a friend of mine who's a listener said to me, Ken, Bam is not that good. I said, son, you ain't watched enough. He going to show you this playoffs. He going to show you this play. A game winning block, a, a 30 point, a 30 and 10 game, first out of Miami since Brown. Um, he's. He's done miraculous things, especially in the conference finals. True. When the light shined the brightest, he's played the best. And I got a question for you, though, Gibbs. Okay. I got a question for you, though. So we, well, hopefully I got, got an answer. What's going on? 
We got guys like D'Angelo Russell that said if they were starting a franchise, Bam is the type of player they would want. Do you agree with that? If I'm starting a franchise, yeah, out of the young talent in the league, they were saying like three years and under. D'Angelo Russell said that Bam on the Bayou is probably the first person he would pick up if he was starting the franchise because nah. of how versatile oh, absolutely he is. Not. No, but because Absolutely of because not. of the culture that he brings to a team, I definitely will want him on a team. If we doing a fantasy draft, I'm not taking him round one. Mm-hmm. Exactly, no, and that's no. that's where I Let feel like you. for like people say not a priority is because he's not somebody you would say, oh, I'm, I'm grabbing him first. Like he's not he's somebody you get if you get him. And you I, get him. I agree with that, and I agree. But see, here's the thing: I think that we a lot of times we lose the nuance in the conversation. A lot of People act like you're a superstar, you're a bum. The Colin Cowherds of the world, the Skip Baylesses of the world, they can do that because they get millions and, and like they've done the actual real work years and years ago. But like if you're being realistic and you want to be respected and you're coming up in this thing, you've got to realize there's a lot of room between superstar and nobody. Bam right. Adebayo, while he is not a superstar, is a very vital piece. If you're talking about do I start my franchise with him on three years and under simply because, number one, he can't stretch the floor, and number two, this is a guards league now, of course I'm not taking Bam. I mean, I think I'm I think not. he's even but better say, than I think he's ever I think he's even better than than what you're giving him. I think if he stays in Miami at the end of his career, we could be calling him a six or seven time all star. I, I for sure agree with that. Here's the thing. I don't think Bam is a glue guy. I don't think that. Right. I think that he is going to be, if he continues to develop as he is now, he's going to be one of the best bigs in the league for, I don't know, maybe four or five seasons of his career. I'd be surprised if he was in the conversation for longer than that because part of what makes him good is his quickness and his ability to get off the ground quick. And that that's always one of the first things to go as bigs get older. Um, so, you know, there's that. But I just... I think that we need to understand Bam is like literally creeping into that star territory. There's there's like legendary, legendary. The only player that's legendary in the league right now is LeBron. That's it. He's yep. the only player that like, because legendary to me is no matter what you do, like it's there will be a certain sect of people who are just like. Uh, I, I say it's two people. I say it's two people. I'm, I'm, like I'm putting I'm putting Steph in there. I'm putting Steph in there. No, no, I wasn't going to say Steph. Steph is still in this new generation. He's still in the new generation to me. Here's here's why I don't put Steph in legendary. If Steph comes out and Steph has like... So if Steph has like a bad series, right? And like he just goes completely cold from deep, even though that's his thing. Nobody's going to be like, oh my God, Steph... Steph, you want to be in the Legends conversation and you did that? Nobody I mean, but, but at the same time, I feel like we already in that territory because people clown Steph because he ain't got no finals MVPs as if he wasn't averaging like 28-9 all of those series. Steph I, I can play feel, terrible I, in a series and do better than any other point guard in the league and they say he underperformed. I, it's not on the level of LeBron, but I still I, I, was, I would apply that to Steph. It's not nearly on the level of LeBron, but I would still apply that to Steph. Here, here's why I, mean, I would put thing, him... Oh, go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. Here's why I won't put Steph in um, legendary stat. For one, Steph started very late, so the miles on his body are are 
way lower than a LeBron type player. And for two, true, true. Steph also it took a team for him to like really took for them the Warriors to build a culture and a team for him to like really be a standout guy. That's now true. That that's he true. Had, now that he had, you know, LeBron is somebody that came to the league and you make a team around him. Curry yeah. was a he was a piece at first, then he turned into the start the, the vocal point of the team. Right. Now the, right. Per, the LeBron, person, the, LeBron was the culture in Cleveland exactly, the day he got exactly. He, exactly. That's that's why. Now, one part, other player that I think Gibbs might have missed, and I'm not saying that th- this is debatable. It could go either way. One, The only other legendary player, and I put the legendary guys as 34 and up. Like, 34 and up, the guys has been doing this consistently the whole career. Chris Paul, after this season, I think he might be able to go on a legend. Because there's nothing else he can do besides win a title, which he probably won't win a title unless he does something like join the Lakers. But it's nothing else he can really do to diminish your image of him, and there's nothing else he can really do to, to move that far ahead. Chris Paul but is one of those out. guys you hear can say out. legendary. Hear me out. This is why I say Chris Paul is not a legendary. For me, another quantifier of legendary for me, even if you go off and have a game like nobody's ever seen before, everybody is just like, eh. If Chris Paul is in the playoffs, even if it's the first round, and he goes out and does like 45-20, people are going to take serious notice of that. If LeBron put up 45-20 and 10 in game one, let's be honest. Let's be honest here. I like. I would love for people to finally start giving LeBron his roses as he deserves. People, He could do 45-25 and 10, right? And like the game be a blowout and he only plays about three quarters. And everybody would be like, yeah, that's a good game one. Good job. <laughs> right. Like, like nobody would be like, oh my God, if Chris Paul did that, the – Twitterverse would explode. Like everybody'd be like, See, I, 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 think, "I told you he was the best." I told you he was the best. Yeah, I think LeBron has has achieved so much that we take legendary numbers and be like, "He doing what he's supposed to do." He Brian. Exactly. Yeah. Like the the things that he has done for me on a on a regular the, leading a team in points, rebounds, blocks, points, rebounds, assists, blocks, and steals. Leading both teams in that. That's not. That's like. I don't care what the result is. If you do that more than once to me, I'm you. I can't discuss whether or not you're you're whether or not you're good or great. So below legendary, we've got superstars. Superstars are your Giannis. That's your Hardens. That's your you know. That's your uh, uh, Kawhi. Kawhi in the playoffs. That's your those types of guys, right? Like that's who's in that category. That's you know, you got to play great and all those good things and cool. And, you know, if you have a bad night or you have a bad series, people are like, man, well, you got to, you know, whatever. Next time you get it back. Then you got like your stars at least. Stars is a lot broader of a category. Like that stretches from Jason Tatum to Carl Anthony Towns to Devin Booker. And I know a lot of people are going to look at me crazy like Cat and Devin Booker are stars. But. When I talk about stars, I'm thinking guys who are like, they're really good. Like, if they put up 50, you're not surprised. If Cap puts up 50 once or twice, you're not surprised by that. Right. You're like, oh, wow, good game. Like, you know, that's not a surprise. And then next game, he might give you 15. That's But that's part of star. That's not superstar. Because superstar, even after they put up 50, they're going to give you 30 next game. And that's right. just what they do. Um, and and I think the, the BAM is creeping into that territory. Because below there is like the players that are slightly above glue guys. That's 
That's Bev Marcus Smarts and Marcus Smarts and Dollars, for example. Tonight. Exactly. Marcus yeah. Smart, Young Dollar, Draymond Green when he was rolling with the uh when he was rolling with all all three of the other all stars, future Hall of Famers. That those are those guys. And then below that, you got like glue guys, and then below glue guys, you got like Riff Raff, whatever. They probably shouldn't be in the league, whatever. <laughs> right. But yeah, like that's just for me, Bam is sneaking into that star category because because of this series. Because let's be honest, if he did this like in a regular eight games in the bubble, nobody would care. But because he's doing it when the stars are brightest, that's when it matters. But at the same time, yeah. I'm not saying I'm not saying that like, oh, I take him over Luca. Like that's that's mad. We we well, already, we already Trey, forgot y'all. about we already forgot about TJ Warren bubble performance. So <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. I take him over Trey Young. For sure, but I'm not taking it. It depends on what you what your direction is on the team. Child, yeah. I don't care what the direction is. The direction ain't going to Trey Young if it's between him and Bam. <laughs> I'm sorry. Trey uh, Young sorry. is a double double player, man. I don't know. Man, he ain't a landslide. To call slot. him a to call him a liability defensively is an understatement. That oh, is I, oh. A, yeah, you can walk past him. You you walk past nope. him, but I mean, if you if if you want to be Pound for pound, though, what he does offensively, and you build a defending team around him, as like he brings so much offensively that helps you. If I'm a guard mm-hmm. and I see Trey Young lined up, oh my god, get the get the napkins, get the you know the the finger uh, wipes that they got when you eat at rib joint, get <laughs> some, the, wet, get some the, wet ones, get the wet ones, get the wet ones out, because I'm gonna need my thirty piece. I'm gonna need my thirty piece. Well done. Fry hard, but make sure it's still dripping sauce. Because that's that's just who he is. Like, And don't get me wrong. You are right. Trey Young is going to offensively outperform whoever he's playing. But, like, he's going to drop 40. They're going He's going to go 40 and 12. They're going to go 36 and 6. Like, mm, I don't really – I ain't really too, you know, concerned about that. But, yeah, that's, that's uh, just a conversation for that. So, what are we thinking predictions for the finals? Oh, we're not going to talk about Lakers and Denver. I mean, what what is there to talk about? Uh, we, we all knew. Like, hold on, wait, wait. Am I, did we not all call this at five or six? Oh, no, 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 no. I thought it was going to be four, but I was just going to say how bad the Clippers actually are to see that Denver. I mean, Denver's a great team, don't get me wrong, but the fact that the Clippers, it looked like to me they had all the pieces that should have beat the Denver Nuggets. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Oh Lord, here we go. All right, you know what? I did see. I wanted to leave the Clippers alone. I wanted to leave the Clippers alone because you know my old lady is a Kawhi girl, and, and I, I don't want to get cussed out. I don't want to. But you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and let off one more parting shot for the Clippers. Did y'all know that LeBron not only outperformed um, outperformed Kawhi and Paul George through the eye test, if you combine their stats. <laughs> Literally, points, rebounds, and assists. Let me go ahead and read the totals off to you back to back, okay? All right, so when we look at points, uh, Kawhi and Paul George, you have a whopping 24. LeBron, you have 38. Oh, you're talking about you talk- just for the uh, closeout games, okay? Okay. Oh, just for the closeout game. Just for the closeout game, you know. So, uh, like I said, when you're talking uh, Kawhi and Kawhi and Paul George, 24, LeBron, 38. When you're talking rebounds, Kawhi and Paul George, 10, LeBron, 16. 
When you talk assists, Kawhi and Paul George, eight, LeBron, ten. <sighs> well. <laughs> hey, man, look, but again, look, look, I'll, I'll give you all this. So, uh. Even though, even though um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna categorize myself as LeBron as a LeBron hater. I'm just very critical of him. I talk a lot of shit about LeBron. I'm not gonna hide that. Um, mm-hmm. Today's date is uh, September 27th, 2020. I'll go ahead and make this announcement here with uh, Kenton Gibbs and Chris Allen. Today is the day after last night. Today is the day I'm gonna start giving LeBron his flowers. I, I'm, I'm, oh, gonna my stop, Lord. I'm gonna stop talking shit. Oh my god. <laughs> Let's get Brian's flowers. Uh, was it the was it the sixteen straight in the f- fourth quarter for you that did it? Was because it, it was the sixteen straight for me. <laughs> I, you know, no. I, um, honestly, what what it is, um, LeBron's personality as a basketball player just always struck me as passive aggressive, and and that that always bothered me a little bit. Yesterday, after they got that dub, and he balled the way he balled, because Denver was coming back. If LeBron didn't go on that tear, Denver was gonna win that game. Absolutely. Absolutely. After he did that and they got the dub and everybody that ain't been there before, Kuzma and and uh, all the all them young players that ain't been there before and the guys that's happy to be there was all hype over a over a finals appearance and Brian was sitting in the floor like, no, we still got business to do. I was like, all right, bro, my my guy about his business, bro. My I, guy about uh, his business, bro. I you know we're gonna start streaming facts over acts uh, via Twitch or something, some some video streaming service soon. <laughs> I just want to let y'all know. I'm glad that we haven't yet, because I want y'all to see me cry. <laughs> I don't want y'all to see. It. If y'all do some of the battles that I done had to fight with Guyton over this thing, <laughs> I, if y'all knew facts off the axe, fam. Hey, if listen, y'all knew, <laughs> somebody cutting onions. Am I? Babe, stop cutting onions. Stop, please. Hey, listen, why. listen. The reason why this podcast came to be is because Guyton said y'all are the only two Brian fans I could tolerate. <laughs> That's the reason. No, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not changing. I'm not changing that stance whatsoever. Because I've seen some outlandish claims by LeBron fans, and as a basketball savant, I just can't agree with them. I've seen some outlandish things, but but if I'm talking to somebody that um. Give me their goat list, whatever the case may be, and they want to put LeBron anywhere to so forth. I'm not if if they don't put him between two and five, like I'm not gonna argue that. I still think Mike is number one, but if somebody want to put Brian number two, I'm not gonna fight him on that no more. If they want to put him less than five, I'm at the point where I'm like, all right, bro, you being a little disrespectful. Wow, I wow, you know I I can't believe it, you know. As the lyrics go, some people wait a lifetime for a moment like this. Mm. Wow, I can't believe it. I, and, and, and I'm not a, I'm not what they call Brian sexuals, but I honestly just it's literally like his motto: witnessing greatness, striving for greatness. Like as soon as you think, ah, oh, LeBron's starting to get old. He does he, he does what he did in Game Five. Like man, it's you know like somebody man. tweeted in 2015. LeBron is 30 years old, and all he can do is overpower people and dunk. There won't be too much more of this foolishness. Five <laughs> years later, there is still more of the foolishness. Hey, the, the crazy thing is I saw a compilation of Westbrook dunks on uh, Twitter. 
And this dude was like, it's crazy that we watched LeBron's physical peak see the beginning and end of Westbrook's physical peak. Hey, but watch this. It also saw the beginning and end of Kawhi's physical peak. Mm. True. Blake mm. Griffin. You can you can oh <laughs> you can put God. a long Blake list. Blake Griffin in there too. That's that, that's crazy. Hey man, Kyrie Blake, Irving. Blake Griffin is my dog, bro. I feel like it was too late in his career when he actually found out how to hoop instead of just dunking on people. Right. But even though what, what Blake Griffin's what he's thirty, he's still relatively young, right? Is he yeah, he, still, he just turned thirty, right? Yeah, he still got some uh, tread left on those tires. At the beginning of this season, when I seen Giannis get Blake Griffin that drop step and dunk on him, I was like, hey, you might have to hang it up, my G. Hey, hey, it's it's rough out here, man. It's rough out here. It's Wow. I can't believe it. I really can't believe this. Wow. Heat Lakers, tell me what y'all got, man. Tell me what y'all got going on. Heat Lakers. I got uh, Lakers in six. I just feel as if, I feel like, Everybody, if you ran a poll, unless you from Dade County, you picking the Lakers. And I feel like that's a smart pick. I feel like that's the logical pick. I feel like that's what's going to happen. But for some reason, watching this gritty Miami team, I feel like we're all making a mistake counting them out. Like if we went to go do this pod in two weeks and we were talking about the championship Miami Heat, I wouldn't be surprised. I think we're looking at a... a maybe 2004 Pistons kind of situation here, even though this Lakers team is more, is more, uh, I'm not going to say they're more talented, but they're more put together. They're more of a team than that, than that Lakers team. Um, but here's the reason. So at the, at the top of this list, as far as talent goes, I think we can all agree that it's one LeBron two AD three, Jimmy four, bam. Yeah, I can agree. D- Jimmy would do a I mean, decent. I mean, to be to be honest with you, that's what it's gonna be if the you know the Lakers played the Clippers. It would have been <laughs> true, true. Three Kawhi. But but I I look at it. I think their matchups uh, go against each other well. I think like um, I could look at Jimmy like as a way less athletic version of LeBron, but I think they have a similar style game. And Jimmy got a lot of intensity, and he's not going to back down from LeBron defensively. And I could look at Bam the same way. He's almost as athletic as AD. He just doesn't have the skill set, and he also has the mentality to where he's not going to back down from AD. The thing that I think may make the difference here and what gives Miami an edge is if you look at every guy after that, I think the list goes Miami, Miami, Miami. If you look at the next five, six guys that's going to make a big impact on this series, it's all Miami guys. I I will say this. I very strongly disagree with it. Hmm. Very strongly. And, I, and I'm not talking about if we're talking who's the most talented, who's just the best player, roll the ball out on the court, give me a bucket, or like, oh, hey, y'all are playing one-on-one to seven. I agree that there will be a few Miami guys. But if we talk about having an impact on this series, Drogers can do all of the great, wonderful, crafty layups and angles against the Celtics. They don't have a rim protector. Even after Anthony Davis is out of the game, you got to meet this big old guy who used to be an all-star who's going to be a Hall of Famer named Dwight at that rim. True, And Dwight showed us last series because everybody said Dwight's washed. He's over. He's done. He's terrible. The only reason Dwight was trending recently was for his off-the-court proclivities, right? And then he came out last series and said, excuse me, I'm still one of the best centers of this era. Excuse me. Um, I, I got a little something to say. 
Don't 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 count me out now. True. And he he dominated. He flatly dominated. Other than the game, which was an extreme aberration, uh, where the Lakers had five rebounds between AD, JaVale, and uh, Dwight, he absolutely dominated on the ball. One, one game he had 10 points or 11 points and nine rebounds in the first quarter? Like, come on. Come on. Yeah. If he comes out with that or anything close to that, I, I don't know how Miami contends. I don't know. Other than... Duncan and Hero playing above their heads, but uh, but um th- that that's the thing though that's the thing I feel like they're going to try to implement a similar game plan to what Denver did, but the thing with Denver is one, even though they got shooters over there and that's how they beat the Clippers, they don't have knockdown shooters that we can rely on, and I and the Lakers regardless how great they are defensively, they still struggle with pace and space. I don't know if it's something in the water. In L.A., but as somebody I told you on this podcast before, pick and roll and pace and space has always bothered the Lakers. I don't care who they got on the floor, whether it's LeBron and A.D., whether it's Kobe and Powell, whether it's Kobe and Shaq. I've watched them get killed by the pick and roll and and hitting shooters open for the past 20 years. I don't know why. And I think that Coach Spo and Pat Riley are smart enough to put something in place to where he, they're going to get more open looks than Denver did. They're going to get more open looks than Houston did. And I can see those guys in Miami knocking down shots at a, a much higher clip than we saw Jeremy Grant and Jamal Murray doing so from deep. I got the Lakers in six, but I'm just saying I, I don't think that it's the runaway series that me and pretty much every other basketball fan on earth is thinking that it is. Okay, Chris, what you got? What you got? Well, 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 well. I, I, I kind of I don't, I don't know if I agree or disagree with either one of you guys. I mean, I got the Lakers winning it. I'm pretty sure if we did a poll right now of 100 people, 98 people would say the Lakers. But that's that's common out. The other I mean. two and, would be DJ Collin and Dwayne Wade. <laughs> right, 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 right. But so here's my thing. Here's my thing. KCP, Danny Green. Those are my two things right there. Those are the only things that the Lakers have had question marks. KCP, not last series, he wasn't a question mark. But the series before that and the whole bubble before that and the whole season before that, KCP and Danny Green was my question marks. Danny Green has still not arrived in the bubble. Yes, he had some decent defensive plays in this last series, but I'm still waiting on Danny Green to hit three consecutive threes like he did when he played for San Antonio or Toronto. It hasn't, it hasn't happened. So, the thing is, Danny Green's going to be required to do a lot more. And I don't know about y'all, but I've been watching Jimmy Butler very closely. He, that post-fadeaway scene, like, it started turning into his little gold move on the left side of the court. Yeah. That mm-hmm. that post-fade mm-hmm. started to drop almost every time for Jimmy. So, oh, for sure. you, got, you got Danny Green and KCP who are a little bit shorter than Jimmy. That's gonna be that's gonna be a challenge for them to guard. Now the thing is, LeBron has never been a, a person to not check the other team's best player. So I feel like LeBron will assert himself on Jimmy Butler if he needs to. However, that also means Danny Green and the other guys are gonna have to pick up some of the offensive load because LeBron is gonna be asked to do a lot defensively running around after Jimmy because Jimmy doesn't. I don't know about y'all, but have y'all ever seen Jimmy Butler tired? Besides when he played with Tibbs, well everybody's tired when they play for Tibbs. No. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, Always high energy. Always. I've never seen Jimmy tired, like, ever. 
Yeah, not during the game. No, 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 no. And Don't and that's it. the thing. Like if if G, if if Brian is forced to check Jimmy Butler, I feel like the other guys gonna have to step up and, and help out with the scoring load because LeBron's not gonna have it in him every game this series. Cause I think it'll go five or six games. Um, I don't think he's going to have it every game of the series to drive to the basket and get away from Bam, get away from all those other bodies they're going to throw at him. And also, they're going to play the same. I think they, I, actually, I don't think they're going to do the defensive setting set up like they did for the Nuggets. Did. I know you said they was going to uh, be similar to the Nuggets approach, Josh. I think it would be more of a Milwaukee approach, how they played against Milwaukee. I think they're going to build that wall and sh- try to shut down LeBron and force AD to beat them. Oh, yeah. Because- I, I, I definitely think that's what Miami is going to do on defense. I mean, offensively, I think they're going to oh, implement the same yeah. offensive game plan as uh, as uh, as Denver did. Yeah, and, and, and once again, that's all depending on Danny Green and – what are they gonna do with Kuzma this series, Gibbs? Please explain to me what you, where you gonna hire him this time because <laughs> then, he, it's a whole compilation now out there just from the last series of Kuzma getting embarrassed on defense. Here's so I'll say this: I I think that um, when I look at Kyle Kuzma and what he has done lately. I'm starting to realize Kuzma is one of those players when his shot doesn't fall, get him out of the game yeah. because he can't do – he's not a bad defender, but all of Kyle Kuzma's game is tied into his confidence in his shot more heavily yeah. than it should be. When Kuzma is knocking down shots, he's not a bad defender. I have watched him in this bubble make some defensive plays where I'm like, man, that's impressive. And then I go back and watch those games to see what's different from what's happening in the playoffs. The only difference is offensively in those games, he might have been one of the best options. Right. The game, the game where he hit the game winning three on who was that? The Pelicans? Uh I thought it was Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Okay. So it, it Brooklyn. The game that he hit that game winning three against Brooklyn. But he was putting up buckets that entire game. Yeah. And at one point he switched on to Karis Levert. And I'm thinking, oh, God, this is fish food. He, like, stayed in front of him and forced Karras to pick up his dribble. Yeah. And Karras LeVert is not a world beater. He's not a guy that I'm like, oh, that's an automatic bucket when he step on the court. But him against the defense that Kuzma's been playing in the playoffs, oh, that's barbecue chicken alert. That's that's, that's uh, Taco Tuesday. So you know, and and, and I've been begging, I've been begging the Lakers to start Dwight all season because I, I mean personally, and, and you see not, what happened when they started him. You see yeah, yeah. But yeah. personally, I'm not a fan of Javale McGee. Like he's a great glue guy, as we were just talking about earlier. He's a great glue guy for a team that needs a big. But mm-hmm. I just don't feel like Javale McGee does much for them with AD on the court. When AD's right. not on the court, I understand why you have Javale. Which Javale's never been a scrub. Don't get me wrong. He's he's never been a oh I gotta have Javale on my team. But he's never been a scrub at that. So right. I always thought Dwight at least he'd provide way more athleticism and way more energy being on the court with AD versus Javale is another guy that kind of clogs the paint for AD and forces AD to shoot jumpers. Mm-hmm. Dwight is a great rebound rim runner. So sometimes mm-hmm. AD will get the space because Dwight is moving around. Facts, facts. So I'm gonna tell you this. When I look at this series, um, I have one phrase that I constantly scream during games that y'all haven't ever heard me say because I only, like, if you watch games in person with me, you'll hear this. Law of averages. The law of averages tells me 
the Lakers are going to win this game in five. I'd be surprised if it went to six. The law of averages basically says if you're a thirty per, if you're a thirty percent uh, three point shooter and you're four for four, that means all right now don't keep shooting, do not keep shooting because you're going to get to your average if you keep doing what you do. Right. Um, the heat. So basically, the law of average: if you play above your head for so long, it can only last but for so long. Like you can't keep playing out of your mind. And I think one of the biggest things about the heat is their game plan took advantage of Boston's youth. How many times did Duncan Robinson get fouled on threes just from running around and being active? Way too many. Now, you think that Danny Green's going to get that foul? You think that Caruso's going to get that foul? And Caruso is what, in his second, third year? Uh, Caruso, thir- three, year three, year three. Okay, so Caruso is in year three, and um, Caruso is in year three, and, you know, I just think that defensively he's more disciplined than them in giving up. You cannot foul. Duncan Robinson is a good shooter. He's a great shooter. He's a great shooter. He's been shooting the ball great. He shot it great against them. But still, you can't give him three easy ones at the free throw line. It was one game where he was like 0 for 5, and they still fouled him from three. No! Let him miss that <laughs> shot. Let him take it, because even if he makes it. Okay, look at the difference between the two. If y'all foul him and put him on the line for three, even if he misses one, he gets two points, but one of your players is now one foul, one foul closer to fouling out. Like, right. that's the whole premise there. So, uh, and Tyler Hero as well. Tyler Hero is so young that the law of averages can't really apply to him because he, he, we haven't seen him hit his ceiling yet. He's a, he's a rookie. He's a rookie. Like, you can't, you can't really put the law of averages on rookies. However, what I do know is uh, in this space, in this, you know, if there was a certain level of, like, nobody was really paying attention to the East that close during the playoffs. Let's be honest, right? True. Like, everybody made huge news of the Clippers losing. Everybody made well, huge news. That thing broke the net. <laughs> <laughs> Not a single series that the Heat have won yet has broken the net. They're well, the book see. series maybe like, but did it was, Because everybody was wondering if Giannis gonna sign back with him. That's the only reason why it wasn't because see, of the Heat. So even in their biggest win, they still were not the story. Even, so their first round, who did they play? Um, Pacers. Pacers. Yeah. First round was Pacers. Come on. Nobody cares. Anton, uh, TJ Warren was hurt. Nobody cares. Second round was the Bucks. Even in beating the Bucks, the biggest story out of that series was Giannis unfollowing all his teammates. Like, yeah. that's just the reality of it. This series, everybody's looking at Brad Stevens like, what are you doing? And everybody's looking at the narrative of Heat versus Lakers. This is the I'm first glad time. you brought up Brad Stevens, Gibbs. I'm glad. I'm just saying. Been, I want this chump card. I've been put waiting in my back pocket, waiting on you. This is the Eggs first time. Postra versus Frank Vogel. Hey, listen. And here's the thing. Coaching, coaching definitely makes a difference if teams have similar level. If the matchup is good, coaching will tip the scales. The matchup for Heat and Celtics was good. Coaches tip the scales. Spolstra, you can't beat a zone at y'all big age. Congratulations. Like, the team who sticks with the zone is going to win. Boom. Just that simple. 
Celtics tried his own. The Heat scored baskets on like two of three or two of four possessions. Immediately went out the zone. That that right there tells you the difference between Spo and Steven because there were plenty of times where the Celtics went on runs. And what did Spo do? Yeah, nah, we're going to stay in that zone. Don't worry about it. Y'all still going to have to see us in that zone. But anyway, um, so when I, when I look at this series, the Heat have been playing out of their minds and good for them, great for them, cool. At the end of the day, uh, LeBron looks locked in like we haven't seen him since he was down 3-1 against the Warriors. Um, and number two, this is going to be personal for him because he knows it's going to be personal for Pat Riley. He knows. Yeah. So, somebody told me earlier, Pat Riley will die before he lose a, he a finals to LeBron James. He ain't trying and to I lose said, that. I said, well, if Pat Riley going to die before he lose the finals, he better get his uh, affairs in order. <laughs> he better, because LeBron is coming too, and LeBron wants this thing too. So, you know, I the Heat, they have great players. They really do. They have a lot of young guys who I think are going to grow and mature and get better. I think Tyler Euro is, is going to be a lot like uh, a less athletic version of what Ray Allen was with the Bucks and the Supersonics. I, I think that he'll he'll be that, maybe not at the same level of uh, shooting, but a little bit better of ball handling and playmaking going forward. I'll tell you who uh, Tyler Hero is, and, and we forget about this dude, but he had some great seasons and he kind of fell off. Tyler Hero is a shorter version of Michael Red. Mm, okay. I can see. You know what? I definitely see that. Yeah. I definitely see that. I definitely see that. So yeah, you you got that situation going on, and uh, you know that's that's cool and all, and he's gonna be great going forward. But I don't see them uh, pulling this one out. I just don't. I honestly and truly, you know, this is one of those situations where they lose this year. Maybe next year they get close, and then they start to win this thing as uh, their young guys develop and, and really start to take over. I mean, I, f- I feel like this Miami team, two things. One, I feel like this Miami team could pull out uh, just about anything. The only thing about this situation that they're not going to be able to pull out is the guy on the other side of the court is LeBron James. If you replace LeBron with another star player, I definitely think that Miami will be able to pull this out regardless of how talented AD is or that other, you know, inserted superstar would be. LeBron has the ability to where he see another team picking up momentum. For example, with the Nuggets, Nuggets were about to win game five, and LeBron would put up eight, nine straight. And and the sickest part, you want to know the sickest part of that whole ordeal to me? They literally did everything that they could. And, like, yeah, they, they put Jeremy Grant on them because Jeremy Grant was the best defender on them for most of the series. They like they were damn near trapping him at half court, and he was still just like, "Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. like what." And then the sickest part about the whole thing is now having Rondo on the court. It makes it virtually impossible because when they trapped him at half court, when they like were acting like they were going to trap him at half court, he passed the ball off to Rondo, or he let Rondo bring it up court the next possession, and then he just like made some cuts off ball, got in the post, hit a post fadeaway like it was nothing. I'm just like, well. Yep, and uh, and the other thing, I'm sorry to gang up on Brad Stevens in this situation. And don't get we me wrong, we can always gang up on Brad Stevens. Don't get me I, wrong, don't ever apologize for that. <laughs> I think Brad Stevens is a great coach, 
but a few Boom. things that I but a few things that I notice is one, being a great coach gotta be more than your X's and O's. You got young guys on that team that feel like like most of those guys on that team, especially Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, been the man everywhere that they've been. And it's hard to tell players that's been the guy everywhere that they went what to do and when to do it. Coaches yeah. are great motivators, so when they shot not falling, when Jason Tatum shot not falling in the first quarter, like you said, you can't be like, hey, he'll figure it out. You got to pull him on the sideline and be like, hey, go get your buckets, and the right coach can pull that out of a player. On top of that, he has great X's and O's, and we've seen what Boston can do when they execute those, but those young players got a tendency to be like, hey, we up six. Let me go ahead and uh, put this thing away and hit a dagger, and the next thing you know, Jason Tatum doing a, doing a step back three feet behind the three-point line and it's not going in brad exactly. stevens i don't think he has the ability to pull those guys by the, by the collar and bring them over to the side and say hey that's not flying over here run the plays that i drew up i don't i don't think he has that kind of authority over that team which is why boston lost a very winnable series yeah and, and another and the, the biggest problem for me for the heat uh in matching up with the lakers they're uh when they put their backups in they absolutely struggle for offense True. that offense becomes a complete and total grind and the lakers twos they defend the lakers have nothing special offensively in their twos nothing not a single person it's a reason that they have to stagger ad and Bron the way they do because if you take both of them out um their their twos are going to struggle to score but defending is not a problem Right, turning you over for their twos is not a problem. So, you know, and turning you over with what this with what the Lakers do, I, I just the 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 key to beating the Lakers is taking advantage of their twos in a way so that like when LeBron and AD come back, it's like, well, we gotta go ahead and we're gonna do all we can, but this, you know, we're down ten, we're down twelve. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. But yeah, I don't. I don't think that the Heat are gonna be able to do that. So, I'd be surprised. Earlier, you said uh, nobody would be, or you wouldn't be surprised if if the Heat uh, won this series. We talking about the Heat. I would be shocked. I would be flabbergasted. I would be calling for Frank Vogel's head. Nah, I'm just, <laughs> yeah, I, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked, honestly and truly, uh, if the if the Lakers were to not pull this thing out. So now we're going to switch over uh, leagues real quick. We're going to go over to the NFL. We know the football fans been, you know, looking for something. We, we've been trying to get in here, but, you know, playoff basketball. What can you do? So now in the NFL, we're not going to read off all the scores because we are obviously three weeks in. But we got a few undefeated teams left. We got the Bills, Titans, Ravens, Chiefs, Steelers, Bears. <sighs> that ugly team who does cheese heads and the Seahawks. <laughs> now, the Chiefs and Ravens play tomorrow. So, I'm going to ask y'all what teams y'all think are going to last the longest as undefeated and what teams are going to make a ripple in this season and what teams just happen to win three games. But first, can I get predictions for Chiefs Ravens? Uh, I'm going. I'm going with Chiefs just because I'm sticking with the. I'm sticking with the narrative that they're on a collision course for for a repeat, and I feel like this is probably the biggest, biggest challenge in their schedule. Mhm. Mhm. Okay, Chris, who you got? I'm going with the Chiefs because I'm a fan of that team in Pittsburgh, and I can't stand the Ravens. So, <laughs> goes the Ravens. 
Oh, Lord. Oh, let's see. Y'all be hurting me, man. Y'all be hurt because y'all always leave me on this island by myself. The Ravens are, and they have always been, uh, they've always been my side chick team. You know, the, the, the Lions are, that's where home is. But, you know, the you can't really be a Lions fan. <laughs> you can't say the Lions were the whole man. You should have went with the side chick a long time ago. You know, and I, I'm not guy, hey, listen, I'm the guy to come in to work every day and complain about how awful my wife is, how bad the cookie hey, is. Hey, man, the side chick think you steak eggs and Welch's grape. You eating hamburger helper at home, Andre. <laughs> listen, everything. I mean, everything. The finest of wines, the, the best of everything, and some wop on the side. But then, <laughs> but then you, you gotta, then you gotta get out of the fantasy and you gotta come on back home. Man. You just gotta be disappointed and mad. Oh God, that's what I'm gonna do, man. And the, the Ravens, I, I mean, both teams added phenomenal backs with their first round picks or with their uh, with a pick in the, their first two rounds uh, in uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire and J.K. Dobbins. Um, but I think that the style of football that they play is what uh, what makes me pick the Ravens because the Chiefs in their passing attack, they need a lot of time to mesh and gel and get it together. That's as you can see by them almost losing to the Chargers last week and the Chargers are not a very good team, especially without uh Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor's no world beater, but Justin Herbert, the the Panthers showed us today. Justin Herbert is not ready to be a starter in the NFL. So, um, you know, for the Chiefs to almost lose to them, uh they and for them to be unable to stop the run against them, well, you know, huh, if you thought that was bad, when you see uh, the the Ravens and you see um, and you see Mark Ingram coming at you, guy who led all the every uh, thirty plus back in the league in rushing, and then you see the QB rushing record uh, holder for most rushing yards in the season, Lamar Jackson coming downhill at you. And then they've added J.K. Dobbins, uh, who has another level of breakaway speed out the backfield, but also has some power to him. You know, that, that's going to be a real tough out uh, for them. So, you know, I, I got the Ravens taking that one. Um, but I think it's going to be close, though. I think it's going to be close. And I, I'll tell you this. If it turns into a track meet, the Chiefs are going to run away with this game. But I think that Marlon Humphreys, Marcus Peters, and company are, are going to do enough to um, – to hold down that passing game a little bit, even with Tavon Young out. I don't so, know, Giz, that rookie running back, he he, you got to worry about him a lot now. And oh, for sure. That, that's going to sure. open up that passing game a lot more than you think. Clyde, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is good, but I think that part of what goes into – part of what goes into running the ball successfully in the NFL is not just your personnel, it's your scheme. And they don't have the scheme – that breeds physicality and good running of the football. Like, look at the defenses that they played so far and look at how they fared against them. First week of the season, they played Houston. Houston has been bad all year. They're going to be bad all year. They're going to be bad as many years as they keep Bill O'Brien. That's just a fact. Bill O'Brien traded DeAndre Hopkins, one of the top five receivers in the league, no doubt about it, for um, a half-eaten bag of chips and 
and uh, a, a Reese running... cup with only one Reese in it. <laughs> exactly, a Reese cup with one Reese in it, and a running back. And listen, I love David Johnson a lot more than most other people do, but objectively, he has not been as great as he was in his best year for three to four years. So I don't see, you know, where where that pick was, especially seeing as how um, the the Vikings got a first round pick for Stephon Diggs, who is not the same quality of receiver as DeAndre Hopkins. So, you know, whatever. It is what it is. Um, that's fine. But, yeah, they, they ran the ball well against them. But then against the Chargers, a team that the Chargers have are good up front. They are very good up front. They had Melvin Ingram coming. They had Bosa coming. They had Justin Jones on the inside clogging up the run and all that. The Chargers are good up front. They stopped that run. The Ravens are good up front. You're going to have a hard time running against Pierce. And Williams and uh, and uh, Ju- Matt Judon. That's going to be a tough out for them. So I, I just think that the Ravens will do just enough to pull that thing out. So now of the other teams who are still undefeated, the Bills, the Titans, the Steelers, the Bears, the Packers, the Seahawks. Who do you who do y'all think are the best? The best of that crop, and who do y'all think are like the guys that are like mm, you? You're here, but, like, you're lucky to be in this party right now. I feel like a lot of those NFC teams fit that mode. Honestly, the only team out of the NFC that I think uh, are here to stay or that I could see, like, in the Super Bowl out of this undefeated bunch would be the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. I, I don't – even though they, they've looked impressive, I, I don't take the Bears seriously. I dislike the, the cheeseheads way too much. To, even if they are legitimate, I'm not going to call them that on this show. Maybe if, <laughs> maybe if we get an endorsement by Wisconsin Cheese Company and they put some bread in my pocket, <laughs> I don't know, something. But until then, no, sir, not at all. Um, So, so honestly, at this point, I feel like in the AFC, the the most uh, talented or the, the best teams we're looking at is uh, Pittsburgh, uh, Baltimore. Yes, and <laughs> Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Kansas City, which I've been doing some research. I told you I ain't, I ain't watched football in what, four years? This is the first season I've been watching four years, man. So I'm making sure I'm doing my homework. But as far as the undefeated teams go, the only NFC team I see that will still be here at the end of the season is the Seahawks. Then in the AFC, we got uh, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, and Baltimore that look like real contenders. Okay. All right. Chris, what you thinking? Who are the contenders? Uh, who are the contenders and the pretenders out of this three and O list? Okay, all right. The pretenders out of this three and O list are the Bills, the Titans, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Bears, and mm-hmm. the Packers. Word. Now the Packers are the team that's you could go either way, but the Bills, Titans, and Bears. Oh, don't, don't give me that. They, they're, they're, you saw what the Titans did last postseason. They got past the Ravens, which is phenomenal, but then they sold in that next game. So, mm-hmm. and then the Bills, the Bills are the Bills. You know, I don't have to say nothing about the Bills. The Bills are like the Clippers of the NFL. Like the Bills <laughs> always are. They are, am I lying? The Bills are always I, that team. That I'll tell you just, this: the only difference between the two is the Bills have been to the championship multiple times. They've lost every time, but four they, times <laughs> in a row. Four times in a row. The four falls of New York. The four falls. Or so four falls I mean, of Buffalo rather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, the Bills are always going to be good. They just never going to win nothing. So I mean, Whew, hate to see it. And the Titans are the Titans, like like I said. But the Bears, 
I'm not really seeing that defensive intensity I saw last season. And I know they got a boost when Khalil Mack went over there, so that made their defense a lot better because he came with a lot of energy. But I'm not seeing that same defense I saw last year. And they're in the same division with the Packers and the Lions and the – who am I missing? Vikings. The Vikings. Vikings. So just being in that division with the Packers and the Vikings, because you know the Lions don't really matter, but the Packers and the Vikings. <laughs> hey, listen, the Vikings are 0-3. The Lions are 1-2 and with a win over – the I, I, I got you, but the Vikings is not still not a team. The Lions, believe it or not, even though I got no faith in Lions, they actually don't look bad. They're just the Lions. If they had any other like culture or personnel, they could easily be three and zero. They're just the oh Lions. Oh my god! Oh my god! That DeAndre Swift drop. <laughs> DeAndre, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't want to get on rookies and eat them up and chew their confidence because I think that's what happened to Joey Harrington. That combined with the fact that we. Gave him little to no help was was part of it's, it's just the Lions, time. bro. You can make trades today and tomorrow. The Lions that have Patrick Mahomes and Julio Jones and Christian McCaffrey, they it's still the Lions, bro. Hey, Something stop. gonna happen stop. to where it ain't gonna work out. <laughs> listen, listen. I think the biggest problem with the Lions historically have been they've had horrible GMs, and you know those GMs have made decisions that have been awful. Like Can Ford just sell the team? You know, go ahead. You know, go right ahead, please. We we pretty much run out of time, and I don't I don't want to get on the Ford family right now. I w- <laughs> who I want to get on them right now, but I'm gonna just say this: bringing in uh, Quinn Bob Quinn and having him, you know, this is one of those things. I think everybody needs to realize the success in New England is the success in New England. That's it. They're an aberration. They're a one-off. They're the only ones who are going to win with that. Bill Belichick is the only one who's going to win with how he does things. It's just him. All of his offshoots are awful. His coaching tree, awful. All the front office guys who leave the Patriots and go up, awful. It's time to accept that. This Patriots light experiment that we're doing, paying uh, Danny Amendola all this money, paying Trey Flowers all this money for four sacks and no pass rush every season. I've had enough. We are the Lions. We are not the Patriots. We are not the Patriots. We're not it. We're not it. So DeAndre Swift, that was a great, that was, you know, you're going to be good. You're going to be fine. You're going to be a wonderful back for us in time. You just got to let that uh, drop go. You just got to let it go. Okuda finally caught his first pick today. That's great. But, yeah, the Fords need to sell the team. And, and I done had enough of talking about the Lions. Y'all done had enough of listening to us talking about sports this week. And Especially I done had enough. Lions. Exactly. And I done had enough of them <laughs> making me the only guy on the island again with these Ravens. So we're going to see y'all next week, man. But come on back next week, the week after that, the week after that, the week after that. Peace and love, y'all. You had enough. I know you had